Hello and welcome to the Slate Political Gab Fest, a special edition of the Slate Political Gab Fest for September 17th, 2018, the Kavanaugh in Crisis edition. I am David Plotz of Atlas Obscura. I am in Washington, D.C. Emily Bazelon of the New York Times Magazine joins me from New Haven. How are you, Emily? I am fine. I'm so glad to talk to you about this because we already were (laughs) tweeting about it to each other. I know. It's very exciting. So we do not have John Dickerson with us, but that's okay. He will provide calm refereeing for at a distance and we'll just feel, we'll channel him. But we are coming to you, of course, on this Monday because there's so much news around the Brett Kavanaugh nomination, which is put perhaps in peril or certainly in into uncertainty this week when it, more details came out about an accusation of attempted rape, assault, were made by a former uh, high school friend or a high school acquaintance of of Kavanaugh's who is named Christine Blasey Ford. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I am. She is a professor in California, and she says that as a high school student in the suburbs of Washington in the early 1980s, she was uh, forcibly restrained by Kavanaugh and a friend of his, uh, Mark Judge, who's a conservative writer, And they held her down or Kavanaugh held her down in a room while he and Judge were drunk and turned up music so that other people would not hear the sounds that she might be making and attempted to remove her clothes and assault her, although they did not succeed. Um, Kavanaugh. And put his hand over her mouth when she tried to protest, which is like a strikingly awful detail. That is a strikingly awful detail. And uh, Kavanaugh and Judge have both denied it. Kavanaugh said today, uh, I've never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or to anyone. Because this never happened, I had no idea who was making this accusation until she identified herself yesterday. And Ford had brought this uh, to the attention of the committee through various intermediaries earlier, and but has now, as I understand it, Emily, expressed a willingness to testify publicly about it. Right. I mean, the big thing that changed between last week and Sunday was that Ford came forward. Previously, the accusation had been anonymous. And when it was anonymous, it seemed impossible for the Judiciary Committee to act on it. Um, I mean, I would agree that we can't live in a world in which anonymous, unverified accusations derail anyone from anything, maybe. But now we know who this person is. We have the details she's alleging. And the question is, what happens next? Do, do do the Republicans ram through this confirmation vote this week? Or do they try to get to the bottom of this accusation and find out how credible it is? So before we get into the fight that I expect you and I are about to have, uh, let's talk about what what needs to happen. So at the, as currently uh, constituted, the, the Judiciary Committee has more or less fe- finished its hearings. They finished its hearings. They scheduled a vote for Thursday, uh, which would then advance Kavanaugh to the Senate, full Senate for confirmation, presuming he gets through the Judiciary Committee, which is uh, has an 11 to 10 Republican advantage. If one Republican senator decided not to go ahead with this vote or vote against it or say, we don't need this, want this vote yet, the, the committee might not be able to have its vote yet. And, and of course, there are only, there's only a two, Senate adva- two senator advantage for the GOP in, in, on the, in the full Senate. So if two senators decided they wouldn't vote for Kavanaugh, that would imperil his nomination, assuming all Democrats went along with it. So at the, as we stand, Emily, it seems like uh, a couple of Republican senators have expressed the desire to have uh, hearings and that they the vote should be delayed 
until we hear more from Ford and Kavanaugh. Is that right? I think so. I mean, I could be a little behind, but my sense was that Jeff Flake from Arizona, retiring, first person to come forward, pretty strong statement about delaying the vote. Bob Corker, a little less strong, but said, yeah, we should look into this. And then Lisa Murkowski from Alaska was the third person with a much more equivocal statement by Lindsey Graham of South Carolina saying, well, if she wants to speak to us, I'll listen to what she has to say. But by the way, here's the Republican official response about how suspicious the timing of her coming forward is. And I think Collins may have also expressed a sort of in principle desire to hear more from her as well as three of the Democrats who are most likely to vote for Kavanaugh have all said uh, have all said that they should hear from her. And even Kellyanne Conway of the White House has said, well, she should be taken seriously and, and heard from, although what that actually means in in practical terms, I don't know. So uh, so we could have a situation where she comes forth and testifies and Kavanaugh and perhaps judge come forth and testify about this, which would be a remarkable and unsettling spectacle and probably would have one person asserting one version of events and two people, you know, denying it or, or asserting that, that they don't remember it or that she's telling a falsehood. Right. And from the perspective of procedural fairness and truth seeking, isn't that kind of testimony what we should hope would happen? I mean, I'm really not sure it's going to happen. And I am worried about the spectacle of the Clarence Thomas hearings and the um, treatment of Anita Hill by the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time. That's like the cloud hanging over this whole prospect. But just you know, in terms of whether it's fair to Kavanaugh getting to the bottom of these allegations, what do you think about the idea of Ford and Kavanaugh and Judge publicly testifying? I am I am absolutely confused and muddled about this, Emily. I am really confused. I think – so actually, I would like to retreat from that to start, which is that I – do you think that if this – on its face, if this is true, that Kavanaugh is disqualified from being a justice of the Supreme Court? If this is true, let's be in the if this is true universe. If this is true, I don't think that this allegation against him when he was 17 on its own is disqualifying. And the reason I say that is not to condone the behavior. It, if it's true, it's awful. But he was 17. That means he was not legally an adult. Now, there are lots of states who, for the purposes of an attempted rape charge, would treat a 17-year-old as an adult. And lots of... um irony, I guess, or hypocrisy about the notion of, uh, you know, conservatives defending Kavanaugh, saying there's no need to look into any of this while, like, very happily going along with sentencing lots of poor people, especially uh, people of color, to prison on, you know, similar charges. So, like, let's just establish that that is problematic. Um, but, you know, look, 17-year-olds, their brains are still developing. They're, on average, not great at impulse control. And there are reasons to be concerned about holding people accountable forever for transgressions when they were teenagers and not of majority. That said, I don't think that's why Kavanaugh's nomination would go down over this. It would go down because while because if this is true, then he is lying and denying it and not taking any sort of responsibility or having any 
recognition of the immorality and the wrong he did to someone here. And that seems to me the act of a 53-year-old, which we very much can hold him responsible for. Right. I think I agree with everything you just said, unfortunately. Uh, yes, it's, it is it – is, uh, it is certainly the case that a 17-year-old who acts in this way, it's a disgusting way. It is it – is, deplorable it is criminal i mean it's an it's a criminal act as described if he did this right and if uh, our sons did this we would be really <laughs> horrified like we don't mean to condone this at all yes and also i think your your point that, it, that this is a kind of thing which if you're a if you're a poor black kid who gets caught doing something like this especially to to a, a white teenage girl you you know you're 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 undoubtedly facing criminal charges and they're going to charge you as an adult and, and everyone's going to make a big deal about what, you know, how you're 17, you ought to know better. You're an adult. And, and that the fact that Kavanaugh was rich, white privileged, um, undoubtedly means that, you know, he would have been treated more leniently had this been brought up at the time. It's also the case. I mean, I grew up in this milieu. This is like Kavanaugh and I went to to rival high schools. He's, he's somebody who's on the periphery. He's friends with a lot of people I knew. And I, you know, I played basketball with him years after high school, but it not nothing, knowing the, knowing the social dynamics of the high school I went to the, I don't think there were attempted rapes at parties that, that were at my high school, but, it, but there were lots of drunk kids. There were drunk boys who go to all boys schools who don't know how to behave themselves around girls. And the idea, this, this doesn't sound like an incredible uh, thing. It sounds like something that might well have happened. And also we know from the judge, uh, Mark Judge, who is the the other person. Mike Judge, Mike, right? No, Mark Judge. Oh, sorry. Not Mike Judge. Mike Judge is a is the uh, creator of... No wonder I couldn't yeah. find him when I was Googling him this morning. Go on. Mark, Mike Judge is a very <laughs> good TV director, creator. Uh, yeah, that's what I found out. Mark okay, Judge... He has written about how what you know how much partying how and how drunk he was in his own drinking. And so we should expect that he was he was a riotous teenager. Um, and so so we, I think we can we that the milieu was existed. It's very, you know, it, it seems to me entirely possible that the events as described took place and but that they were part of a kind of culture of drunkenness and fratty, uh, dumb boy school bad behavior. Um, and does that make them better or worse? No, or no, is it no, just it like make irrelevant? Them, but it, it, it's, it's more like this was a culture that existed and it was a, it was, I don't think that the boys who go to Georgetown prep today probably indulge in quite the same behavior as was done in the eighties because times have changed. And so in some sense, the standards we judge Kavanaugh by should be more the standards of 1983 or whenever this happened than they should be the standards of today. All that said, um, I absolutely agree with you, Emily, that if he like that, he that, that, that even if we say this act as a 17 year old is excusable or not excusable, that it is understandable and that it should not be disqualifying. Well, the if fact he that he was underage is mitigating, right? It makes it, he's still culpable, but it makes him less culpable. Right. And if there's no pattern of him as an adult behaving this way, if he has been uh, above board and behaved honorably in all his interactions with women sexually and otherwise since then, then we should count that very heavily in his favor, that it, it didn't it didn't precede a, a lifetime of being a, a sexual assaulter and harasser and, and would be rapist. Um, but your point that if he doesn't, if he doesn't um, own up to it, if he doesn't make any admission about it, uh, it does suggest that he's, you know, willing to lie and not 
bear moral responsibility for his actions. And if there's this is a true. lot of victim trashing that is going to be unleashed by that because his defenders have every incentive to go after this woman and call her a liar or, you know, they have, have to call her a liar. Yes. If, and they already have. It's already starting. And so he's responsible. If this is true, he is responsible for all of that. And that's disqualifying. But it's not. This is not the same as what Clarence Thomas did. Clarence Thomas was an adult with a pattern of sexually harassing behavior towards women who worked for him, you know, as a man in his 40s. And I don't think I don't think these are the same cases at all. I mean, I think Thomas, it's like very clear to me that Thomas under today's circumstances would not get confirmed, did not deserve to be confirmed and and you know, is it should not be on the court for the reasons that well, we I'm not sure. I mean, we maybe. it's hard to redo the Thomas hearings because, um, I mean, he denied it all. We have to say that. He said this was a high-tech lynching. He absolutely said Anita Hill was lying. And if the Republican senators voting on his nomination believed him, then he would have been confirmed. Um, I think when we look at back at the Thomas hearings, what is different? So first of all, the composition of the Senate Judiciary Committee is really different. There would not be this row of white men sitting in judgment of Anita Hill. There are four strong Democratic women on that committee. There are men who are feminists on that committee. And so... Yeah, well, all Democrats, though. They're, I right. mean, isn't the, aren't the Republicans basically just white guys? I'm not sure. There's probably a, a no, woman among them. No, yeah. No, all be. the women are Democrats. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I think this testimony of Fords, if it happens, is going to have some real – would have really ugly parts to it. But she would also have her defenders in the room, which Anita Hill – didn't have, not anyone with a microphone in front of them. Um, I mean, the other thing about Anita Hill, which has to be said, is there was another woman who had come forward who, with similar harassment allegations against Thomas, who was never called as a witness. And there were also a couple people who were what, you know, we call contemporaneous witnesses. People Hill had told about the harassment at the time. Also, they were never called to back her up. And so Anita Hill stood there alone at a moment when actually there were other women who should have been called to stand in solidarity with her. Um, we have no idea if there's anyone um, else out there who's going to show up to back up Christine Ford. And obviously, if he or she did, that would change the conversation. But you don't have to have multiple accounts of assault to hold someone responsible. And especially in a situation like this, where in our hypothetical universe, where we think Kavanaugh indeed did this, then he's lying and he's unleashed, you know, the forces of powerful forces, all the forces defending him against this victim. Um, we should talk, though, too, about, you know, the doubts about whether Ford is telling the truth and what we think about them. Yeah. But all, and also, Emily, I, I just want to point out that you and I have both staked a position, which is this is not disqualifying for Kavanaugh if he concedes it. But we have to. But that that's slightly ridiculous for us to say that, because if he concedes it, then he won't be confirmed. Then people will say he's a, he's a, he's a would be rapist, and therefore he can't be confirmed. Well, I mean, I can you imagine him admitting any of it, admitting any of it, and then for Senate Republicans to come out and say we're voting for him? They can't. Well, so okay. he has to deny it all. So 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 we've set up an impossible situation where there's nothing that he could do that could satisfy. Well, first of all, too bad, and and we should also say that it is different to get to ascend to the Supreme Court than it is to go to jail, right? I mean, we're talking about an enormous honorific with a great deal of power versus criminal punishment. So I, like, too bad if he's in a predicament. And I also think that 
the door is closed now because his denials have been so vehement and he's clearly not going to back down. But there was a way forward and it had to do with Mark Judge's account of high school, which was full of blackout episodes of being drunk. And so there was a world in which Kavanaugh, knowing in his heart that this happened or something like this happened or very plausibly could have happened, could have said, look, like I did stuff in high school I don't remember and I really hope I didn't do this, but it's possible. That door like closed sometime over the weekend. It's not coming back. But do you think we're now going to have testimony where where Brett Kavanaugh was going to be like, did on Saturday, October 13th, 1983, did you in fact drink 10 Milwaukee's best beers at Joe Smith's house? Either, I mean, is he going to have to talk about his high school drinking habits? And why should they going to get at that le- his, level of detail? I mean, look, either this testimony happens and there's a full questioning because the Democrats on the committee are going to ask questions of him and judge to try to assess whether they're telling the truth in the same way that people will be trying to assess whether Ford is telling the truth. Either that happens and everybody testifies. That's door one. Door two is President Trump withdraws this nomination because it's it's hard to imagine those hearings playing out in a way that's more favorable to Kavanaugh and they just cut their losses and move on to the next nominee. And door three is that the Republicans just ran this vote through. But, you know, it does seem like there are enough senators in the who hold the key votes that that can happen unless they back down. That is so interesting. So you you think there's a that sounds like you think there's a reasonable possibility they pull the nomination. I do, because when you start imagining this testimony and this hearing in this moment, it's going to be a mess. It could be a mess for Kavanaugh. It could be a mess for Ford, although to me, she's looking credible. But we should talk about that more in a moment. And it, it could be a real mess for the Republican Party in November. I mean, right? The political ramifications of going after this woman um, with, you know, it. Look, let's assume, let's imagine a moment in which she testifies and she comes across as credible and sympathetic. You know, <laughs> what more do the women of America need to vote against um, Republicans in Congress than seeing that person raked over the coals? Right. Right. And for I, the sake of this nominee, they can find someone else to fill these shoes. Right, you know. Right. And the the politics of it is. I think for Republicans thinking about the midterms, it's much better for them if Kavanaugh goes down uh, than that if he's approved. If he's approved, especially after allegations like this, Democrats will be absolutely exercised, and you know, the all a, a, any Democrat who had ambiguity, any especially any woman who was thinking of voting for Democrats, will will have yet another reason, and Republicans won't have that same reason to get out and vote for the court. Whereas if if this nomination goes down and we're in November without a without uh, a full compliment on the court, then I think Republicans, there will be a lot of animated Republican voters who will come out and say, you know what, I got to get out and vote. Because even, even, even holding my nose around Trump, even holding my nose for the stupidity that this Republican Congress is doing, it's very important that we get a Supreme Court justice approved. And that's going to be great news for Republican turnout, I would think. Right. And, so having, and having the nomination go down was probably their best hope. Fast, too, right? If you're a Mitch McConnell and you're ruthless about this, politically speaking, you pull Kavanaugh right away. You pick someone else who hopefully has no skeleton in his or her closet. And then you get that nomination moving, but not all the way through by November 4th. And so right. if you absolutely right. need to confirm that person in the lame duck session, you know, if if Republicans lose control of the Senate, you could still do that. But you have a dang 
dangling out there for your voters. Like, we really need this. By the way, I do not think that Amy Coney Barrett, who is a lot of conservative um, Christians, favored choice is easily confirmable at all. Um, and someone in the Federalist Society told me this week that the second choice, the runner-up, you know, back when they chose Kavanaugh was Thomas Hardiman, who's a judge on the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, he's the guy, David, you might remember, who drove a cab to yeah. Um, yeah. earn his way through college. Anyway. So let's talk um, before we leave about the credibility of Ford. So she did not come forward with this allegation at the time it happened. She didn't uh, bring charges against Kavanaugh. She made no accusation against him. It first seems to have appeared uh, in her life or she seems to have been talking about it in 2012, so about six years ago. And she appears to have talked about it to a therapist. Is that right, Emily? And there are contemporaneous notes without Kavanaugh's name in them. Yeah, and I think her husband was there because it was couples therapy. Um, and and so so she, again, she didn't, it didn't seem to have come with Kavanaugh's name. Uh, but then uh, she has passed a lie detector test for what that's worth, which I would say is zero. Yeah. And she has made what is clearly a very conscious decision to upend her life and expose herself to a significant amount of humiliation and attack. And so that I think that actually weighs in her favor, the fact that she would be willingly to expose herself after not being willing, sort of saying, I'll do this anonymously, and then realizing, you know what, I have a responsibility to to be public about it, because otherwise it won't get a, a fair hearing. And so so I, I, I think the fact that she, knowing what happened to Anita Hill, the fact that she was willing to be public about it is an enormous uh, right. check I mean, mark look, in her I, favor. I will just... Say straight up, I had a lot of reasons to wonder about Kavanaugh's nomination before this happened, and also reasons to, um, you know, err on the side of believing people who come forward in situations like this. So you can take everything that follows with that grain of salt. That said, to me, there are some real reasons to think that this is a credible accusation or reasons to discount the things that might um, push in the other direction. So to me, it's like totally believable that a high school girl in the 1980s would not have talked to anyone or made an accusation like this about what it would have what had happened because of the shame and the fear that she would have felt. And I mean, I feel that from my own personal experience. I know that there are lots of women who went to high school in the 1980s and after who did had bad things happen to them with, you know, boys, drunk boys, asshole boys, and didn't tell anyone and certainly didn't think of this as something that you could like go to the police about. So I feel super sympathetic to her about that. And I also feel really sympathetic about why she really has to, had to be pushed to the why she had to why it took her a long time to decide that she could really come forward because of the price that Anita Hill paid and that other women pay. I mean, even in this moment of Me Too, when some men are toppling, it is a risky, risky thing to do. And this is like the most high wire act, I think, of any woman who's come forward in this kind of situation. I mean, I guess maybe the Harvey Weinstein accusers, Weinstein accusers, but... In any case, it's it was it's a really risky thing to do given the stakes, given all the people who are going to be out there wanting to tear her down, and just given the fact that you give over your public identity to this one fact about yourself. I'm sure Christine Blasey Ford has lots of other things that she's done that she would like to be remembered for, and now her moment on the public stage 
is this one. And that is tough. That is a tough thing to decide to do. So to me, there are like all kinds of disincentives for coming forward that make me, that that add to her credibility. I mean, they don't decide the matter. And, you know, if other people come forward and there's proof that this didn't happen, like I'm open to that. I don't think the case is closed, but I think um, it's really important to think about the reasons why she didn't tell anyone at the time and the reasons why she hasn't come forward until now. All right. And what do you think about that? I think that knowing, uh, Again, the behavior that young men at private boys' schools around Washington behaved, uh, indulged in in that time, and knowing the culture of the time, I think it's very credible. Like it, it, it comports very much with. It sounds a lot like things that I saw or heard about happening in among people I knew, and the idea that she wouldn't mention it seems a hundred percent congruent with with what I would expect from a woman of that time or girl of that time. It just was the, it was the culture was not welcoming to it and it wasn't, Yeah, you know, it, 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 she wouldn't have been taken too seriously and it would have been dismissed as, Oh, you know, just these boys being boys. And, um, and it would have been a, he said, she said at best. And uh, it's not. Yeah. And I there's don't no reason the to think that she would have of this young man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's no reason to think that she would have been able to come forward successfully and gotten anywhere. I mean, especially given that there was no, as she describes it, there was no, uh, it it wasn't a rape. It was an attempted rape. Nothing happened. Uh, I mean, nothing, lots of things happened, but there was no sexual uh, penetration. Right, which meant that she didn't have any, like, physical evidence. You know, as soon as it was over, she wouldn't have had that. Um, All right. Uh, Emily, I found your your just to flatter you before we leave your analysis about why why this de- nomination might have to go down, why Republicans might think this needs to go down, extremely persuasive. And I, I think you're right that if like either it will go down, um, either they'll pull it, um, or there won't be hearings because if they have hearings, as you say, it will be too too risky and potentially I mean I'm not sure at all right I mean one person we haven't talked about in all of this is President Trump who has demonstrated lots of affinity for standing by men who deny sexual misconduct allegations himself in that group right and so the idea that he's going to agree to go down without a fight like that's a kind of wild card in all of this um but you know, I, I do confess, I had a lot of conversations over the summer with um, male law professors telling me that this confirmation was inevitable, that Kavanaugh was the best liberals could hope for, and that everyone should just roll over for it. And I have obviously had no idea this was out there. But, you know, like, sometimes the world is an unpredictable place. And the, all these claims that he was such a great guy, like, maybe there was something else going on there. I, it's certainly the case that if another thing comes out, if there's some other story about some gross misbehavior relating to women that comes out about him, especially one where he's an adult, I think that is unsurvivable. That is for sure true. Yeah, but let's not decide that we need no, no. a second I'm, accuser. Like, let's not set that bar. I hear you, but I just want to make clear that we're not saying we think that's necessary. All right. That is your special edition of the Gab Fest. For Emily Bazelon, I'm David Plotz. Thanks to Danielle Hewitt and TJ Raphael for engineering and producing the show. We will be back for a regular show on Thursday.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.